0: Good morning. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. <clears throat> we left off. We left off uh, last week, right around verse nine, verse ten, in John chapter five. So, if you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter five. And we'll start at verse 9 and read through verse 16. John 5, 9 through 16. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who has healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Alright, verse 9. Uh, at the very end, now it was the Sabbath on that day. So we talked about last week uh, the miracle that that Jesus did. He Came in uh, to the pool there at Bethesda, at uh, the temple, and and healed the lame man who had not been able to walk, or he had had an affliction for for a very very long time. And instead of the Jews recognizing it for the miracle that it was, they chose instead to. Uh, to charge him, I guess, with a crime, which was well not only Christ but the the lame man uh, for doing work on the Sabbath. Uh, we kind of started talking last week about the Sabbath and read a little bit about uh, in Nehemiah about the reinstatement of the Sabbath uh, and that that sort of thing, but. Um, in Jesus, or in Genesis, uh, God ceases from his cycle of creation and provides a divine example of rest, uh, or you know, a day of rest where we, where he did not work. Uh, in the five in the first five books of the Bible, he describes how this day is to be used, and not only used, but not used. I guess you could say. Uh, there were many festivals that were celebrated to, uh, to praise God's mercy and His greatness and culminated on the day of the Sabbath. So the Jews held the day, the Sabbath day, uh, very, I guess you could say, reverently uh, and holy as should be expected. Uh, with the construction of the temple and later on the establishment of synagogues in different cities, the Sabbath became associated with activities at the temple or synagogues, and eventually the Sabbath came to mean no work and meeting at the temple or synagogue for prayer and teaching and other forms of worship. The, uh, around the 4th century century, um, before Christ, BC, the rabbis and uh, teachers and scholars, that type thing, you know, the, the Sadducees, uh, they were, I guess you could say, the main uh, priests and teachers and scholars, and as well as the Pharisees, but they, they kind of defined what the idea of work was, okay? There was no question that you could... Not work, you know that that wasn't the, the issue. So uh, they began to analyze it, you know, to kind of say, well, what is the definition of work, and what activities are actually considered to be work. So um, their idea of work was, uh, or their definitions. They almost became, or they did become uh, extremely burdensome, and in a lot of cases were, you know, they were actually ridiculous, like kind of far-fetched ideas kind of way out there. Um, But they prohibited 39 uh, types or acts of work, what they defined as work. And they actually, you know, had it written up in the law these thirty-nine different acts. Um, for instance, you could not walk more than one mile from your home. <clears throat> one mile from from your home, or it was considered work. Um, a scribe could not carry his pens on the Sabbath, uh, or this was considered work. So you can kind of see how ridiculous some of, some of these things were. So. Uh, so now it was on the Sabbath, it was the Sabbath on that day, and I have left my glasses at home, So I, my uh, reading glasses, so I'm kind of having to focus in and hold the pages right to see what I'm saying. No, I'm good, Larry, thank you. Uh, but it's, you know, it's almost like when he wrote that it, he did this miracle on the Sabbath that he did it on purpose. Um, to uh, kind of raise the question whether the action was proper on that day or not and so when he did it he knew what they were going to have opposition to it and therefore uh, it was going to raise questions and by doing so with the Jews raising these questions it was going to give him the opportunity to teach was it not So, you know, just think about it. In all, um, you know, he could have waited to the next day. Could he not? The lame man was not going to go anywhere, was he? He couldn't walk. He was not going to go anywhere. So why not wait and avoid all this controversy and just healing? But then he would have missed out on this opportunity to uh, teach. So uh, verse ten. So the Jew said unto him that was cured, the lame man, "It is the Sabbath, and not lawful for thee to take up your bed." And um, and we read about Nehemiah, all that good stuff. So. the Jews seem not to have been either impressed or pleased or, you know, uh, marveled at the miracle that occurred. Uh, they were only concerned with uh, the law of the Sabbath being uh, broken. They broke the law. And the man, he, I guess he sensed that... Um, <coughs> You know He needed to make a reply or respond to the accusations that these Pharisees were making. Uh, so he, in verse 11, he answered to them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. So the man's reasoning was clear and, and, and correct. He who had the power to heal, did he not also have the right to interpret the law? and to say what was uh, allowed on the Sabbath and what was not allowed. So the lame man obviously uh, knew from the miracle that was uh, performed that this man was of uh, a divine nature from God. Uh, He did not perhaps know exactly who he was, uh, in other words, the Savior, but he did know this man... Uh, you know, was inspired and had been given gifts from God. So, uh, so uh, in verse twelve, they ask him, "Who is the man that said to take up thy bed and walk?" And like I said, uh, at this time, he probably didn't know who he was. Uh, but the word "man." Uh, is used to avoid the implication that he who performed the miracle was divine. So the Jews wanted to resist the idea uh, that he was of divine nature, that he was, um, you know, sent from God or the Savior. Because let, let's let's face it, you know, let's look back. This obviously isn't the first time that these Pharisees have been exposed to Jesus. Uh, surely uh, they've heard the teachings of John the Baptist uh, before this time uh, because it is in the same general area. I mean, it's not like they were uh, half a world apart. So, you, you know, the the word and the... Um, teachings of John the Baptist you know they had to have known this and so i suspect they knew who it was and what he had did and they were using they were going to try to use this against him and they and they do they do use it against him so the implication when they say uh this man is uh you know Implied here, you know, the implication that he was just a general man, but they avoid the fact that he did perform this miracle. Uh, they should have asked, you know, who did this wonderful act, uh, who performed this uh, miracle, uh, but they, you know, I can't reiterate or iter- whatever I'm trying to say, emphasize enough that. They just completely ignored this miracle. So in verse 13, uh, "...he that was healed knew not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away," or he had kind of just left and mixed in with the crowd as so to avoid a major uh, scene uh, and kind of just mingled into the crowd and, and disappeared. Uh, So the the healed man, the lame man, did not know the identity of Christ. uh, And to avoid the great excitement and congestion that would have arisen and remained, uh, Jesus just slipped away quietly into the crowd and was somewhat lost uh, or just lost to sight. Uh, Jesus knew that it was not the time nor place... uh, to start this curiosity about him and his work, and thus avoided a situation right then that could have gotten out of hand with all the, the, the large crowd that, that was around. So, afterward, Jesus finds, in verse 14, uh, Jesus finds the healed man, the lame man, in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing befall thee. So uh, Jesus uh, wanders into the temple and finds the, the healed man there. And this is, this is significant in that it signifies um, <clears throat> or it shows the fact that the man quickly made his way to the house of God to offer thanks for the blessing uh, of being healed. Uh, and for having his health back, because it, it had been so long since he had, uh, you know, just been able to walk or or move about freely. Uh, so I mean, you can imagine <clears throat> he did not know who Jesus was, uh, nor where he was, where he had went, um, and he did not know that God would hear his prayer at the temple, but he went there anyway and prayed. Uh, there, you know, a lot of people today, uh, a lot of us, and I would say just about every one of us, are are uh, you know recipients of many of God's blessings. Uh, how many of us though are thankful for those blessings uh, and actually give thanks for those? Um, and sometimes we don't really. Realize that we have received a blessing, if that makes sense. It doesn't, you know, somewhat register that the good Lord has blessed me. And uh, in this situation where we're talking about uh, the lame man and his health, good health is a blessing. I mean, it is one of the greatest blessings uh, that he can sinned upon a person or grant a person and if you have ever dealt with a sickness or uh, you know being close to anyone that did or you know uh, it affects your life and we talked about this last week but good health is quite a blessing and we should thank the Lord every day uh, for the health that we do have because there are you know, there's always that person who is even if we have some type of affliction or or uh, health issues. There's always that person who's who's got it worse, got something. So we need to be thankful for what we do have. Thankful for the country, in this country in which we live. Granted, there's some issues, but uh, what country doesn't have issues? If you look at the world as a whole, so. We should thank God for this country that we live in. Thank Him for the, the jobs we have, for you know, our families, the church. You know, I mean, we should thank the Lord every day for these blessings. But many people, uh, they just don't thank Him or thank Him for these blessings. Yes. 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 And like I said, that was, uh, especially this was, for for that reason to uh, show, in part, and we'll we'll get into it a little little bit more. But to show his uh, divine or holy deity. His his uh, equalness or oneness with God, uh, that he had the uh, right to say what was lawful or not lawful on the Sabbath. Right. Right. True. True. But uh, by the way, we're talk, while we're back on the Sabbath, I did look up the thirty-nine uh, laws or uh, acts of work that were prohibited, and, and that if you get a chance, I, I, I decided not to go through them all because uh, uh, some of them were it was just extremely vague and but I wasn't going to bore you with uh those details but if you get a chance just you can just google you know uh, acts of work on the sabbath or something like that and you can you know it, it'll lay them out there uh I think I looked in, in uh Wikipedia that's where they had uh I think that was the source I used but it had some you know I mean, and, and like I said, they got into detail about it, you know, so. Uh, but, and then like Brother Nathan said, some, a lot of it was hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy. So, uh, verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him whole. Uh, this is a statement, uh, Jesus had made me whole, uh, that is designed to honor Christ. So at this point, uh, you know, he's bring, trying to bring honor to the man that healed him. And it's likely that, uh, in, I guess, the simplicity of his heart, I guess you could say it, or the uh, maybe he was a little naive uh, as to uh, what the Jews were trying to do here. Um, uh, you know, he thought that maybe once these men knew the uh these men knew the identity of the person who uh healed him and performed this miracle, that they would join him in praising Jesus as well and uh, rejoicing in this in, in this great miracle that had occurred. Um but if such, you know, if that was the case, he was unaware of the prejudice, obviously. He was unaware of the prejudice that they felt and the ends to which they would go to, uh, to stop Christ and what he was trying to do. And You know, every time I, you know, study this and look into it, it just, it, it really, I guess you could say, blows my mind. I mean, I can't comprehend how you can see you know, all we have is the Bible and his teachings, but to actually witness something like that and then still deny and, you know, it just... I just... I don't understand. But uh, there's people today that, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to the Bible, it's, it's plain and set. speaking of which, let me get off on a sidebar, uh... I saw an article where uh, a lesbian, number one, it's a female, number two, she's homosexual, was named an Episcopal bishop and was quoted as saying, Jesus never denied, or the Bible never denied that homosexuality was a sin. So, you know, I mean, it says it black and white, and number one, she's a female number two homosexual, and neither one of those you know seemed to ring a bell, so uh, <clears throat> that's the way the world thinks, and <clears throat> that's obviously uh, what was going on <clears throat> here this this time with the Jews um, and just they just did not want to believe and were not going to believe uh, they they believed what they wanted uh, so Uh, Let's read verse 16 through 18. And for this cause the Jews... uh, And for this cause or the reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered, answered them, My Father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because... He not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. So now, he's kind of added more to it. He's jumped out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. He's, I mean, he's really got these uh, Pharisees stirred up. Number one, he performed work on the Sabbath, which is forbidden by law. But now he's saying he's equal to, and on the same level as God. I mean, they're like, who does who does this guy think he is? So um, <clears throat> to this point, the opposition, opposition of the Jews was limited to just uh, his actions on the Sabbath day, um, and and that was it. Uh, and then. Uh, In verse 17, he says, uh, My Father. And this meaning, um, and and the the, uh, author of the commentary I read, Brother, uh, Brother Guy Woods, he kind of paraphrases verse 17 as to saying, My Father continues to work to this hour, though He rested on the seventh day following the week of creation, He has not ceased to be active even on the Sabbath day, since the worlds which he made must be governed, maintained, and supervised. These operations are necessary and they continue until now, and as he works, so do I. So it's like um, our government. You know, we may have an off day, you know, where, like, say, the weekend. But our government, both local, state, and, you know, federal, it still has to run to keep things functioning and in order and, you know, supervise and, and make sure everything's uh, taken care of. So that's kind of what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, uh, God is the king and leader of earth, uh, and he has to make sure everything's good. So, so, if you want to say he's working and say that's work, then so be it. So, and that's what I do as well. I don't know if I explained that very good, but uh, I think you get the idea here. Uh, Jesus, uh, being of divine nature, could and did justify his action uh, of healing the man. Uh, on the Sabbath by saying, you know, with this statement that saying he was, God has the right to work on the Sabbath to uh, govern, and I am on the same uh, level as God. He is my Father. uh, Therefore, I have the right. Um, So, by this approach, uh, he he doesn't out outright admit the charge of the Jews that he had violated the Sabbath uh, because he had not. um, He is showing that his action is justified on other grounds as well. These grounds uh, were even more objectionable uh, to the Jews than was uh, actually working or doing this on the Sabbath, uh, which is saying he is uh, of the Father or saying that God is His Father. That was blasphemy. Yes, they, they saw it as blasphemy. So. Uh, and then verse 18, uh, Jesus' identification with and His identity with, uh, with God the Father um, led to even more violent opposition by the Jews and He had thus far uh, just merely been a man. To the Jews, they you know, a man who had broken the law, and that was it. But now he appears before them as one claiming to be the Son of God, in a fact, in a in a way, uh, or a characteristic of no other, and puts himself equal to God. So. uh, By making himself equal with God, they understood him to mean that he was of some sort of divine nature or same nature as God and on the same level as God, which we all know that that he is. Uh, And like Brother Mike said, they considered it um, blasphemy, which was worthy of death. So not only have they accused him of Working on the Sabbath, which is uh, punishable by death. They've now accused him of blasphemy, which is also punishable by death. So they just really want to get rid of him. Um, Let's move on to verse 19. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them... um, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So these words were designed to show uh, the close relationship existing between himself and the fa- and, and father. And he's using this opportunity to... to Demonstrate and show and teach that uh, he is—he is God, and God sent him to this earth uh, for a purpose, and that everything that the Jews consider God to have the right or power to do, then he also has that same right. So. Um, Um, and he cannot do, he does nothing except that which the Father does uh, or endorses uh, and approves. So, uh, verse 20, The Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth And greater works than these will he show that ye might marvel. So, um, Let's kind of break this down a little bit. There's a lot here in this verse. The word loveth uh, or love, uh, where it says loves. uh, The New King James says father loves the son. The the King James says loveth. uh, But it translates to the Greek word philei, philei, p-h-i-l-e-i. philei, um, which denote, and, and if you're familiar with uh, the Greek word or the English word love, uh, there's actually, what, three or four, Larry, different Greek words. How do I say this? For, there's four Greek words that mean love, but they're all translated as love in, in English. Uh, And and this one, uh, there's actually a new commercial out there. Have y'all seen that where they go over the four types of love? Yeah, Uh, phileo and agape, uh, eros, and and the other one left me. But this one's uh, the phileo, uh, which denotes warm, tender affection, and uh, because of this relationship, the son is fully aware of the plans of the father and holy acts in accordance with them. So, so, you know, he knows what God's plan is. And, you know, he's not, uh, in other words, he's not acting on his own. Uh, they're acting as one here. Verse... And he's saying that greater works than these uh, will he show him that ye may marvel. So he's kind of hinting here that there's more to come. That this isn't the only time this is going to happen. Uh, there's going to be more miracles. And obviously the greatest miracle of all is his uh, uh, resurrection uh, when he rises from the dead. Verse 21, For as the Father raiseth the dead and giveth them life, even so the Son also giveth life to whom he will. Uh, The Pharisees, uh, they agree wholeheartedly that God the Father had indeed raised people from the dead. Uh, Instances, uh, there are such instances of people being raised from the dead in the Old Testament. Uh, such as first Kings seventeen twenty two, Second Kings four, uh you know, they there uh there's evidence there and the word even so uh and this is uh even so and that's not that's not translated in the New King James. Yes it is even so the Son. Okay, even so Um, it means in like manner. So, uh, even so, or in like manner, uh, what God did in the Old Testament, Jesus has the power and the right to do also. So, whether this uh, is a reference to, you know, spiritually raising the dead, or, you know, someone who is dead to Christ, raising them up... um, you know, in a spiritual sense, their soul—not necessarily their physical body—but their soul—and um, and raising those dead in sin to life, or whether it refers to a an actual bodily bodily resurrection—you um, know, that's up for debate. But the truth is, Jesus did, uh, would, and did, in fact, do both. He, he had the power and did resurrect those who were dead in sin, and he did resurrect or raise from the dead uh, those physical bodies that were, you know, life had, you know, left and, and died, as in the case of Lazarus, Lazarus he died. So, um, <clears throat> but a spiritual resurrection occurs every time a, uh, someone turns away uh, from the worldly things to obey the gospel. And uh, having died to sin through repentance and in a state of death to sin, uh, in other words, separated from, uh, from, li- from a life of act- active sin, uh, one is then buried uh, with the Lord in baptism. Uh, And this is, you know, fitting, um, you know, as far as baptism goes, uh, buried uh, with the Lord in baptism uh, because they they are dead. uh, And they rise from the watery grave to walk uh, with a newness of life in Romans 6, 1 through 4. The death to sin one experiences... uh, does not produce life. It simply terminates the active life of sin that was um, characteristic of the sinner. And following this must come the burial and the resurrection to life in which one, which uh, process, in one receives remission of sin. So uh, when you're baptized, uh, when you ask for forgiveness, and you're baptized and raised up in newness of life, you're a new person. So, uh, this is kind of like uh, parallel to actually raising, you know, an actual person from the dead. Uh, You're raising uh, the old person, the sinner, into a new person, a Christian. Uh, And, so the old and he's referencing here that the old person, the sinner, is buried in the water when you're when you're baptized, you're burying the old person because they are dead to sin, and then you're raising up that new person who is now a Christian and alive in Christ um, <clears throat> so how much time have we got? I see he's already going back to ring the bell. Let's start in twenty-two and 20, twenty-two and twenty-three. We'll start there next week. Uh, does anybody have any questions or comments so far?